You're listening to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're at episode 145 and today I have got a bold and powerful voice for you. Kat Johns is coming at you. You better be ready for it. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, my gorgeous one. Amazing to have you here. So, so good. I am excited to share this episode with you. But before we do dive into anything that we're doing today, I do want to let you know that there is adult language, strong adult language in this episode. And so I want to make sure that you've got headphones on or that you're not just playing this in the car. And then all of a sudden we catch you by surprise. So I wanted to let you know before we dive in. But you know something? As you will know, I am so passionate about not only talking about business and branding and all the tactical stuff, but about bringing incredible stories to you from women who I think are bold and powerful voices in their industry. You know that my purpose is to support women to become bold and powerful voices and claim their space with confidence. And so it's been incredible to have Erica, the Queen of Confidence and Denise Duffield-Thomas. And today I have got the absolute powerhouse I was trying to think of the right word powerhouse Kat Johns with us today sharing her story and it is such a powerful story that I just had to share it with you she is somebody who I've connected with online she is also mutual friends with my circle of incredible ladies and so I just wanted to share her with you to be honest and just a little bit of background if you don't know Kat Kat Johns the zero fucks chick is an international coach and popular podcast host. She doesn't hold back on sharing relatable stories, speaking real and raw truths, and always holds people accountable for being the solution to their own problems. She's the creator of the global Zero Fucks movement, has a meditation app coming soon. She's a keynote speaker and runs workshops that help bring people's souls back to life and save their fucks for the things that matter. I told you. I did warn you, (laughs) but I'm super excited to have her here. I actually, when I watched Kat's uh, Instagram, when I was first following her, she had this event and it was kind of like meditation crossed with like, I think yoga crossed with dance party. And I'm like, this chick is amazing. And the more that I listen to her and the more I get her energy in my stratosphere, the more I just think she is somebody that I want to be around so much more. So I'm super excited to be bringing you her story today on the podcast. And you know something, I'm just going to leave it there because I want to dive in. And so I hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Make sure you go and connect with her, but just, yeah, absorb, listen, reflect and enjoy. Kat, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you, my love. Gosh, your voice is sexy. I've always wanted to actually say that. Your voice is like, talk to me, Suze. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. (laughs) And I feel like your energy gives me energy. When I watch you (laughs) online, I'm like, heck, girl, like what have you been drinking? Because you are like full of the beans and I love it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, so good. I just, I have to say, like, even though you're like, you know, a lot high energy online, I just Mm. get such a calming sense from you. It's just like, you're very, like, very mellow as well. It's funny. A lot of people say that. A lot of people, they they, um, feel that, that uh, they say the exact same thing. It's just like, it's bang. And, but then there's this calmness and it's true there's there's an equal part extrovert introvert um for me sorry I'm just to clear to everyone who's listening my dog Bailey is barking in the background <laughs> it's not me um yeah so it's I think it's I I need those I need so much space for how much I put out um it's really necessary so I think that's where that calmness comes from Yeah, I love that. Now, I'm just, you know, I'm just like, I'm just going to dive in. But for those of my listeners, Kat, who don't know you, can you just tell us like who you are and what you do? Like what what are you here to do, Kat? What I'm here to do. So 
I've run my business for, this is six years now. So I'm a coach, I'm a coach and I help people give zero fucks to the things that don't matter. And what I mean by that is like so many people give a fuck about whether it's the way they, so obsessed by the way that they look or they they care so much about the, the thoughts that are in their head that hold them back from expressing themselves, being who they are, going after the things that they love. Um, and, you know, they, they, they're working in jobs that they don't like, but they're putting all of their energy towards. And I'm here to go, hey, man, like, what are you, what are you fucking doing? What are you doing? Why are you giving a fuck about that? When there's so much more you could be caring about, that you could be making important, that you could be, you know, channeling your energy towards. And I guess, you know, my role is to take people from hell or their version of hell or their version of dislike and, and show them the way to where they would love to go and, and give them the tools so they can rely on themselves. I don't want people to rely on me. You know, I'm here to go, I've got some kick-ass tools that can serve you, but I ain't here forever for you. You know, I'm here yeah. to show you that you can be there forever for you. Um, and I do what I do because I used to be the person that I coach now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was and, just about to say to you yeah. how, like, how did you get here and what's your journey been? Oh, my God. So it's been so big. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously. Well, the biggest turning point for me was when I was 23. But prior to that, like I grew up in a, in a beautiful family, super loving family. My mum's a little Filipino like church. I saw going. her dancing Wait, with you on Instagram the other day. <laughs> oh, she want to eat her. She's like a little duckling. She's a little duckling with like the smallest nose ever. She's so cute. She can't wear sunglasses because she's got no bridge. <laughs> oh, bless her. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. So grew up in a beautiful family, uh, loving home, supportive, supportive home. We were, like I grew up privileged. My parents grew up super poor, but I grew up privileged. But when I was age six, I was sexually abused um, by a like a family friend through the church, which is pretty like messed up. Messed up. Um, that then, I mean, I didn't remember that, re-remember that until I was 10 to which I spoke out about it and it wasn't uh, received um, or held, I should say. Or I wasn't held. Uh, it was more a questioning rather than... Um, fuck, come here. And so that offset a whole lot of, you know, trauma for myself where I just made up so many stories of no one's there for me, no one believes me, I messed up, um, I'm a liar, uh, you know, and, and, and that then went, I went on to, to bury my emotions and bury how I felt. And then I would, and then when I was 12, I re- tried to bring this up because my friend at school was like, dude, you're angry. You're angry. You're mean. Like you're mean. You're being mean. And I told her about it. And she was actually the first person to go, I think you need to talk to someone. So I went to the school counsellor and she then encouraged me to tell my parents. My mum was actually away in America at the time to see all of my cousins. And so I spoke to my dad and to my brother about it. And, again, it just the response was to what they knew how to do at that time and and that was anger and frustration and why didn't you tell us earlier and to me that was just like who who's my safe space who can I go to that can make me feel okay and in my own mind it just no one was doing that so I then went just so young cat like my daughter's 10 yeah and I'm like you just like you're not emotionally equipped at all to deal with this. Like I know. having these conversations at ten and twelve, I'm like, I know that's insane. I know, I know. But you know what you're talking about with this like bold, brave voice. Like to me, a ten year old and a twelve year old going, "Hey, this happened." That's a that's a brave voice. That's a bold voice, 100%. right? But I guess you know, as you just said like not equipped, young, like immature, emotionally immature. Uh, I didn't know how to handle what I would call rejection. Uh, To me, I felt rejected. I felt unheard. I felt um, misunderstood. And so did your dad and your brother believe you? Because you were saying there was anger, like why didn't you tell us earlier? Yeah. Well, my brother I told when I was 10 and he said 
don't ever say that again. You're a liar. And I was like. And how much older or younger is he than you? He's older by three years. Wow. But then the journey gets even, it gets bigger. It sort of wrapped itself around and took a big healing of itself. So after that, um, I then went down a destructive uh, path of, you know, I was um, bulimic and throwing up my food and uh, I was, I I never would, I never would follow through with suiciding, but I would cut myself and, um, you know, I was just, I was a mess. I was a hot mess. And then by the time I was 18. Um, Can I just ask when yeah. your mum got back from America, what yeah. happened with that I don't conversation? Know. It didn't. It didn't. Oh, so you just told your dad and your brother and you didn't tell your mum? Yeah. Well, maybe my dad told my mum, but from what I know now, they went, they offered me counselling and I said no. Um, I didn't know what it was. And I think they went off to go and get counselling as to know what to do. But in my mind, in my reality, and it could be a warped reality, nothing was further yeah. discussed. Um, so when I was 18, uh, like my, my whole, you know, over that period of time, like I was, I hated on myself. I didn't like myself. I thought I was a loser. I was a massive people pleaser. Like I gave all the fucks in the wrong direction, right? Um, I just wanted people's approval and acceptance and someone to love me and someone to um, approve, you know, someone to just love me, love, love all of me. So I would do anything for that. Um, so I lost a lot of myself. And then I got into the drug scene and partied pretty hard. Um, and this is where things started to, it was sort of like a, a two-way healing was taking place. So I started taking drugs and then also this chronic pain started in my body. Um, but when I started taking drugs, I was getting all of these memories and flashbacks of the past as a little girl. And I thought, fuck, what is this? I just want it to go away. It's too painful. It's too painful to talk about. It's too painful to think about. No one gets me. No one believes me. Like, just please go away. And then um, there was a time where I was sitting at home and I watched an, uh, and I watched an Oprah uh, yeah. series, an, an Oprah show, and she was interviewing a psychologist who, um, who said on there, people who have been sexually abused need to know it's not their fault. And it was like God, Allah, Buddha, every universe was landed in my chest and just exploded me open. And I, I just, I howled, I cried. It was, there were the words I needed to hear. It was for the first time I felt heard and understood. Um, so I reached back out to my, to my parents and I said, and I was 20, no, 19 at the time. And what was your relationship with them like over that sort of period like was it was it just kind of something that was not really talked about anymore and things were fine yeah. or was it just nothing like what it was something that wasn't talked about um again great family uh but i was a i was i was hard on them i pushed back on them and i think that i had that story in my head of they're not there for me they don't support me um they're trying to control me and you know i, I just wanted like out I wanted out of there. I thought they were the worst people in the world when, you know, they, they're just, they're beautiful. They're beautiful people. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I was, I was very volatile. You didn't know what mood I'd be waking up in. Um, but no, the conversation was zippity, zippity doodah. So when I reached back out to them, there was this, I just, there was just this uh, power inside of me that I can't even put words to where I just said, this happened. I, I, I took them out for dinner um, and I said, this happened and I need to heal this because I'm a mess um, and I need your support. I, I need your support. I need you to hear me on this. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I don't care um, if this rattles you, but I'm rattled enough and I need to, I need to fix this. And what so, did they say? They said, I, I love mean, that you I, took I, them out for dinner, Kat, I know. like yeah. to public place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm like, we're all getting out of the comfort zone and we're, we're doing this. And have a really intimate conversation in a restaurant. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's when, bring it all. Yeah. When the waiter's coming up to you some water and everyone's like, hang on a minute, just give us 10. <laughs> all I remember was that I could see. It was almost like minimal words, 
but the look on their faces and the feeling at the table was they they're with me yeah I could feel it and it was because of the 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 what I brought to the table which was I'm messed up but I need to do something about this and I want your support it was like where could they turn you know what what could they do so but also I just think that you know it's like you said like when you're younger, our parents were just not equipped mm-hmm. to deal because we we talk about things so much more now. Yes. Like it's these things are more discussed out in the open, more resources, etc. Whereas then, like they like oh, nothing. They got nothing. Fine. They've got they're not even equipped to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, like we're obviously you're now stepping into your power and saying to them, I'm gonna deal with this, but I need mm. you. Any parent's gonna be like, we like we are 100% here for you, yeah. you would think, like most. Yes, I, yeah, I, I know. Think, you'd hope. Yeah. You'd hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to their credit, like they they stepped in, um, but there was, this, there was this thing hanging over me of my brother um, saying to me that he didn't believe me. So my dad went and told my brother uh, and said, you know, um, they call me Neng. I was going to say Neng. Neng is my little Filipino nickname. Um, and so my dad went to my brother and said, hey, Neng took us out for dinner and, and told us this. Uh, but a big hump of hers is that you don't believe her. To which my brother turned around and he said, dad, I do believe her because the same thing happened to me at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my. Your face then. It was exactly, exactly. It's like mic drops. Yeah. Wow. So he was in denial when he yep. was saying to you. Yeah. Don't talk about it again. Yeah. I don't believe. Oh yeah. my, yeah. God, like that makes me want to yeah. cry. I know. Uh, me too. Me too. Because it was the same person, same time we all went away, and basically they went from my brother straight to me. Yeah. And he was nine. Yeah, he would. He would have been nine, and I was six. Um, so I don't know. And where were your like? Where were your parents at that time? Like they when you were, went away and this happened, like where were other people? They were out with, so interestingly, the person who sexually abused me and us was a, was a female. Yeah, yeah, a 15, 16-year-old female. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when, like we used to go to church and all that kind of stuff and she was obsessed with me. She was obsessed with me. She always would like pick me up. And I remember even like playing dress ups at her house and never really kind of never thinking. Which is never of it. in a, like you'd never no. think. No. I've got like a 40 year old man in my head. No. 15 year old girl. 15 year old girl. Wow. And like, and you sort of think, oh, well, that's not as bad. And that was the belief that I had in my head. It's like, oh, it's not as bad. Any but like, violation is hideous. Correct. You know, people can still do things with their hands. People can do things with every, anything else. And that's what took place. So um, my mum and dad was out with her mum and dad. And she was just looking after She was like looking after Babysitting. Yeah. Babysitting. 15, 16 year old girl. You wouldn't think anything. You wouldn't think anything. Wow. So um, that was a big, big mic drop for the whole family. Uh, And my dad was like, holy fucking shit. My two kids, this happened to, and I didn't even know. Didn't even know. So that was the start of, I mean, you, you, you you asked me the question way back of like, how did I get here? Uh, and to to get to what I do and and get from my version of hell to where I am today, that was the start of it, right? That was the start of, you know, where hell kind of started, that where it began. But I will have to say that I continued that hell for myself through the beliefs that I told myself that I was worthless, that I must be bad for that to happen. I'm disgusting. I'm dirty. I don't deserve anything good. Um, people can be, can, can take advantage of you. People can take power over you. And for all of my teens, that's what I did, whether it be with friendships, whether it be with, um, you know, intimate relationships with guys. Um, that was basically my, that was written and tattooed all over my forehead. Just use and abuse me because that's just what I'm worth, you know? Um, 
So that was when I was, yeah, 18, 19, that took place. But also at the same time, when I was out partying, taking drugs, this pain flared up in my body. So whilst I was healing, beginning to heal a big part of the past, this pain was like, hey, man, let's party. I'm like, what the hell is this? So at the time I was studying nursing. Uh, I used to be a registered nurse. So I was studying nursing. Um, I would go party out on the weekends and then study during the week. Party, study, party, study. Total waste. <laughs> I just wasted my brain. I remember brain those days <laughs> yeah. well, yes. Why weren't we hanging out together, Suze? <laughs> I was in London. <laughs> oh, that's why. <laughs> yes, I was on a podium in a gay club somewhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the clubs there would have been better, far out. Um, so, yeah, this this pain flared up in my body um, and it, stayed it just stayed there so when I was by the time I was 21 it kind of started in I started in my right shoulder moved down my arm moved down my right leg and then it would sort of switch from like the left side of my body to the right side of my body and I was like what the hell is this by the time I was 21 I started working in the nursing force Mm -hmm. so I was like I've got to stop partying because I'm looking after people's lives yeah but the pain was exacerbated when I did shift work. And so I started getting pretty addicted to pain medication. You know, went from Panadol, Panadine, Panadine 4 to Endone, Oxycodone, sometimes Valium. And uh, three and a half years of that, and I thought, fuck, man, I can't keep going like this. Like my eyes would get blurry, my eyes would cross vision, and then I'd go home and literally dose myself up and just lie in bed and try and get comfortable and not sleep very well because of this it was nerve pain, not like muscular pain. I don't know if you've had nerve pain before or like sciatica. I had sciatica when I was pregnant. I couldn't walk properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was and hideous. It's, it's like this fire and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, I don't know what to do to get rid of it. Yeah. I don't know how I can get comfortable. So that was that was like that for me, 24 hours all over the body. So what I did is I moved from traditional nursing to a plastic surgery practice where I was a head nurse And I would consult women coming in who were wanting um, surgery either on their breasts or their tummy, Uh, either like before babies or women with big breasts, some people with, you know, no breasts and they wanted implants. So I thought, okay, this might be be the fix. This might help me out. Not Um, so physical? Yeah, correct. Correct, correct. But like three months into the job, I was standing at the top of a set of stairs. But meanwhile too, you've got to know, who I was then was not I am now, was what is not who I am mm. now. Like I was I was overweight, I was unhappy, I was constantly in pain, so I was very grumpy. I was um, no universal shit, no energy mm. stuff, no what you get out, you put back, no personal responsibility, mm. nada. So a real catch. Yeah. Real catch. <laughs> the way you said that with your face. Yeah. <laughs> Dream woman, people. You're like, oh, my God, I still can't wait to have you on my podcast, <laughs> Nat. Yeah, boys are banging down the door. Yeah, I get it. I, I can picture it, yeah. <laughs> oh, Suze, that was beautiful. I love that. You just did that so well. Anyway, three months in, I was at the top of a set of stairs at my at my boss's office and I went to walk down them to get the next patient and I couldn't walk. And so I was 23 about that time. I was 23 and I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh, my God, what, what is going on? I, I know I need to walk, but I can't. I literally couldn't make my, my, my foot move. And my, my boss was like, dude, what are you doing? I said, I can't walk. I can't move. I can't. I can't. And his, the look on his face scared the absolute shit out of me. And he took me over to the Epworth, long story short, um, got an MRI, got the results back, had no idea what it meant. He sent it to a neurosurgeon friend who said, I need to see her within three days. Um, got to see him within three days. Me and my mum went together going, Hoo-hoo, let's pray in the lift, hoping that nothing would go wrong and that I might need some acupuncture. Sit down and he's like, you have got a brain condition that is slowly turning you into a paraplegic. Uh, you will be in a wheelchair in six months' time if you don't have surgery now. And we're like, can you fucking say that again? Just a little slower. (laughs) So 
that was a uh, that was a real big shock. And at, at that time in my life, with the mindset that I was in, very victim orientated, uh, you know, why me? What have I done wrong in life? I shouldn't have I shouldn't have come to this world. Why do my parents have to fucking give birth to me? You know, why did I choose this existence? All that kind of stuff. It was just why. Why? What What did I do in a past life that was so freaking wrong? So anyway, uh, I had surgery six weeks later and we're all like praying to everything that it would take away the pain because six, five to six years of chronic pain, no one's a happy camper. <laughs> I'm not a happy camper. My boyfriend at the time was like, I know I should stay with you, but I really want to leave you. <laughs> I was living with my brother and he's like oh my god you're like your eggshells you're you're just it's like walking on eggshells with you so had the surgery um which fixed everything structurally like what the condition's called an Arnold Chiari malformation so there's different versions of it. Like you can have an Arnold Chiari malformation just as it is, or you can have an Arnold Chiari malformation that has a syrinx. And what that means is there's a thing called uh, around the brain. It's a casing around the brain called the dura. It's like the, uh, the outline of a sausage. Yeah. And then you have your brain inside. So my dura was too, it was too tight. My brain was too big for the, for the dura. So it's like an overstuffed sausage. It looks, it's just too tight inside mm, the casing. Which is what was causing the pain? Yeah. Well, what started to happen was my brain, there was not as much, there's not enough space mm. for it. So it started to push down into the top of my neck or to the base of my skull. And that started to block the cerebrospinal fluid that runs up and down the spinal cord like a river and up to your brain and like lubricates everything. So everything is like moving and grooving and, and doing its thing. So uh, that was all blocked. Mm. And I had an Arnold Chiari with a syrinx and it was a decent sized syrinx and I had a few. And those syrinxes are um, pockets of fluid and they're, they're like benign tumours in the spinal cord oh, wow. that really block the flow. It's like a river that's blocked. Um, and then that that blockage was severing the nerve conduction um that was causing the pain and that's why it eventually caused uh so much disconnection between my brain and my foot to know how to walk like the, the nerves so were just basically surprised out that it took you so long to go get all that checked though like if you oh, had it for and it was moving around like that's not like if you hurt yourself and then you're like got pain there because you mm-hmm. hurt yourself mm-hmm. but for it to be how come it took you so long to get checked? I went once to a GP. Um, so once to a GP to show them my thumb. My thumb was like Shrek. And they said, oh, we'll do an X-ray on your thumb. And I knew, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like surely this is not thumb related. I've got chronic pain in my body. Like, I love that. I, This is not thumb related. <laughs> I hope you said that. <laughs> I did. I said, yeah. surely this isn't thumb related because yeah. like something else must be going on. But they said, no, just get an x-ray. And look, to be honest, I was just like, no, nah, not, yeah. not going to do it. So then my little ignorant butt was, fuck it. Fuck you. You don't believe me? Fuck you. So <laughs> I then created my own extra uh, pain, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, that was a condition. I had the operation. They fixed everything structurally and then uh, the pain was, but, but the pain was still there because the nerves had been compressed for such a long period of time, for five years, um, that they, it's like pressing down on your skin for so long that it's constantly indented. Mm. So... Uh, after the, the operation, my neurosurgeon put me on antipsychotics, um, which is a medication that can help reroute the message that goes to your brain, so your brain doesn't feel like you're in pain. Okay. There's another version of medica- of, of pain medication. Okay. And he said, you know, there's there are some there are some major side effects, but mm. let's just put you on a lot like major side effects. 
uh, and let's put you on a low dose. So he put me on a low dose and Suze, the low dose was like enough for me to be so blacked out. Like I would look at you, I would look at life, just I, I literally like I could I can't even put it any better than I just felt dead on the inside. Mm. I my level of hate for everything went to an all-time foul low. My all my my level of fuck you to whoever created me and to whoever put me in this position was fuck you. It was it was so dark. And you know, I was I was I was back at work after six or eight weeks. I was being incredibly rude to the clients that were coming through patients that were coming through my boss had to pull me aside and say hey I think you need more time off or I think you need to get these medications checked out and I was like fuck you just fire me fucking no one fucking cares anyway so I I've probably experienced I guess that a period of depression um because in my mind there was no hope Mm. so it was a year later I wrote my family an email and I just said fuck this like I'm out Either, either there is. There so it was a whole medicine. year of this. The, I only took those medications for like six weeks because I had to go off them. Mm. If I continued to go like that, I, I reckon I would have mm. legitimately suicided. Like there was no, there was no light. So I went off them. I said I'd rather be in pain than this shit. Um, so I went off them, but again, chronic pain, like for five now, nearly six years. It just, it's unbelievably tiring you know waking up going fuck can I make it through the day what have I got to do to feel better you know I was I was isolating from my friends I wasn't going out anymore I wasn't moving my body I was only getting bigger in my in my weight and life was shit and so that's that's when I reached out to my family and just said I either need a radical change something something has to change or I'm I, I don't want it I don't want it here I don't want it to be here like, why would I be, why would I want to be here? So that was like my, another, you know, bold moment mm. for me to go, fucking help, please help. But at the same time, you know, I have to give it to them. They were trying to help me the whole time, but I was pushing them away. Mm. I was pushing them away. So I needed to be the one to go, I've had enough. So they... My mum, she's a volunteer. She used to be a nurse herself. She volunteered at the Austin Hospital. She was just on a megaphone going, who can help my daughter? And just put the the feelers out. Mm. And someone knew someone who got me into this neurologist who takes like like a month to get in, who saw me in three weeks because he read my story and he's like, this girl's a mess. Um, And he came in and I went into his office and I was 24 and hallelujah, praise all the gods and lords. This man just gave me the radical change that I needed. He basically was like tough love, tough ass love. And he said, um, if you really want to live a pain-free life, like it's possible, but you have to actually want it. I was like, uh, how about you fucking shut your face in my head? He is a professor of neurology. <laughs> but the look on my face was like, um, say what now, bitch? <laughs> Hang on, look at my thumb. <laughs> but wait, but wait, have you seen my thumb? Yeah. Okay, I love it. So oh, Suze, you're the best thumb. Oh, my God. Now when I meet you in real life, I'm going to be like, hi, thumb. thumb. <laughs> Oh, so good. That's awesome. Hilarious. So, yeah, he he was real tough love and he he said, you know, you may be thinking that you have been focusing on not wanting to be in pain, he said, but all this stuff of, you know, restricting yourself from life and and, and taking medication, all you actually are is focused on pain. And he gave me this analogy and he said, think of an Olympic athlete who wants a gold medal he said they would train every day to to do their darndest to get that gold medal. They'd swim, they'd run, they'd eat well, they'd do whatever, they'd rest. They would train. And he said, I know you may not 
won an Olympic gold medal. He said, but you want something in your life, right? And it's the first time anyone had put it to me like this. He said, you want something, right? And he said, what do you want? I said, fucking dude, I want to be free. I want to be free to be happy. I want to be free to be nice. I want to be free to be myself. I want to be free to, I want to be free. You know, I want to be free to wake up and say, good morning, everyone. The sun is shining, you know, and actually mean it. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, that's your gold medal. And he said, my invisible prescription to you, Kat, and he was talking to me about meditation and visualization. He said, I want you to visualize that every day, what you look like, how it feels when you're free and act in favor of that. What can you do? to act in favour, to train yourself to be free. And I was like, what? You are a neurologist. How are you giving me this talk? And he said, you know, you could keep going with medication. And I said, if I can go often, like, and stay often, I want off. And he said, every day for 12 months, this is your prescription. I want you to do it and then come back to me in 12 months. Let me know how you go. He said, because I think it's possible. I was like, right. This is the radical change that I'm going to implement. And I said, fuck it. If in 12 months I'm still the same, then I can knock myself off, you know. Then I will have tried. But, oh, it was just the most amazing thing. Like, of course it was hard because every morning I'd wake up and be like, oh, I want a Valium. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. But just the what he said shook me to my core so much. And I just said, no, nah, I'm going to sit up. I'm going to visualize this. I'm going to feel this and I'm going to act in favor of it. And I swear to God, Suze, all I did for like a period of 10 months was visualize, feel, act. And my action was all about moving my body. Just get the fuck out, get the fuck out of bed, get the fuck off the couch, get out. And I would, I would walk, I would do a light jog. I would go to the gym. I'd start doing weights. And for probably the first three months, it was really, really hard. There was a lot of push and a lot of like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to, yeah. you know, I want the easy way because my ego was like, we don't want to change. That means you have to like be the one to change your life. So anyway, it was 10 months later that my dad said to me, kiddo, you're looking pretty good. Like, what's, how are you feeling? And it was the first time that I had to actually stop and go, shit, am I even in pain? Like, how do I actually feel? And I said, oh my God, dad, I don't, I'm not in pain anymore. And by that time, I think I'd lost like seven to eight kilos at the 10 month mark. And then I had just become the free person that I had visualized. And after, after that and healing this pain, I was like, what the hell have I just done? What have I done and what else can I do with this? And that's that question opened me up to what other gold medals have I got in my life, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a business or whether it's a whatever else it could be that I could be going for. And that has been that has what has got that is what has got me to where I am now over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I just heard, like, as you were saying that, like you're, the freedom that we want in our lives is free. Mm. Like you're, the freedom that you want is free. There are choices that we make. There are things that we do, but it is free. Like for us to live a better life, feel better, surround ourselves with better people, be happier, like it's free if we choose to do the things that will allow us to have that freedom. And I think so many times we're like, but if I earn more money and if I yeah. get that dress and if, you know, that person treats me better and if, yes. if, if, and it's actually like, you know, something like these are just choices that we make as to what our freedom looks like. That's, I'm just like free, your freedom is free. Yes. Amen. 100%. And you're so right because we place a lot of conditions upon freedom until this happens. It's like a, the back end of an EDM, <laughs> you know? It's like if this condition is not met, then get sent here. If this condition <laughs> is not met, then sent here. <laughs> and it's like, actually, what if I just chose that for myself and started to act in favour of it? Now, of course, for so many months I was like, nothing's changing, nothing's changing, nothing's changing, nothing's changing. But 
you know, what I know and what I coach and, and how I show people, because people will always come to me and say that. And it's like, dude, you have to trust that there will be an accumulative, an accumulative mm. effect, you know, that with like just the like, mm, 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 there's going to be mm. a kaboom, right? You Lots just, of little yeah. positive decisions. Correct. Correct. That are hard, that are going to be hard sometimes, that are going to be difficult sometimes, that are going to challenge you sometimes, that you're not going to want to do. But when you do and you push through that bit by bit by bit, there's another part of us winning and another part of us coming back to life. And to me, that's our spirit. That's our spark. That's our essence and our true nature and our power that just goes, g'day, mate. It's been a fucking while. Let's party. I love that. For all of my international listeners, they're just going, that accent, that is just gold. <laughs> Let's do this. Good yeah. night, mate. Let's party. It's like, wow, who is this chick? <laughs> so good. So good. And so, Kat, what's been the transformation for you? Like what is the work that you do now and how do you do it and what's your message now? Like from all the lessons and mm. everything that you've been through, like when was that moment that you're like, I like I want to now talk about this. I want to start to yeah. help others to do that. Like where did that switch come from? So um, great question. When I, when I had, uh, I guess, awokened a part of myself, um, when I was, I was still working at the plastic surgery practice and I would go back in and I, I, I was like lit. I was lit. They're like, like, who is this? I was like, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? And what was happening was uh, they would come in and I'd I'd give two shits about surgery, right? I was like, let's just chat. Let's just talk. Tell me why you're doing this. What's 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 your why? You know, where's your why coming from? And what would happen is these women would walk in and we would literally have these sessions where they would walk out and then they would email me after and go, oh, my God, I feel like I just stepped into a vortex and I don't know, and now I don't know what I want to do. I was just about to say, were you losing the surge in a whole lot of business? I was. I'll just fix your problem now and now you can go. You don't need surgery. I know. My boss was like, so how many sales did we get? I'm like, (laughs) I made a few friends. (laughs) He's like, that ain't paying your salary, chick. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, so, but look, even if, um, even if they did still want to go through with it, what I was helping them do was reframe where this was coming from that don't do this to think you'll be prettier or think you'll be more liked or think you'll be more accepted by the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever it is. Um, like if you really want to do it, like own that for yourself. So you, then you haven't done this for a reason or a condition mm. to then feel more lovable. And if you're not, then you're disappointed that you just spent fucking 15 grand on something that hasn't got you what you really wanted, right? So after about a year of that taking place and like my, like my plastic surgeon then, he was really well-known and I almost became as well-known as him on the forums. Everyone was like, Have, has anyone met Kat? Has anyone met this? Has anyone met this chick? And, you know, people would be sending me in this stuff and I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then um, throughout that time, that's when I started opening up to the spiritual world. I was seeing kinesiologists. I was seeing a life coach. So I was how old are you now? 25. Okay. I was 25. Um, and I also broke up with a six-year relationship that was quite toxic towards the end um you know and 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 there was a lot of my own patterns that I was healing like I was always used to being in a relationship and jumping from relationship to relationship and after that one broke up and it all wasn't working out with me like going from someone please love me and let me cling on to you um I was doing my own growth and inner work around really like coming back home to myself and uh taking myself out on dates and knowing who I who I am and what I like and what I don't like and what's my voice and what's my message. So I reckon from like 25, 26, um, all of that was kind of in big emergence, really big emergence. And there was a big surge. And um, like I said, I had like a, a support team around me of professionals that uh, I was just cleaning myself up left, right and centre. Um, and so then I went and did a 
angel intuitive course. I was just drawn to it and I started trusting my intuition more. I learned a lot about intuition there. And then I came back and people were asking me about it and they said, hey, can you do a reading? I'm like, yeah, I'll do a reading. So I did a reading. And then after about five readings, people were like, dude, you're not, you're like not reading the cards. You're reading my soul. What's, what are you doing? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just in service. Love it. And so they were telling their friends and then their friends were like, hey, can I pay you for this? I was like, hell no, I'm, an, I'm a nurse. Like, what are you talking about? And, and so this started to kind of um, shift. Mm. I started a Facebook page. I didn't even have Instagram then. I started, you know, a business Facebook page, which was just my name. And, oh, no, it was intuitive healing. Intuitive healing was uh, back then. And I was just sharing my, my, my thoughts and my quotes and whatever else. I got asked or my, my friends suggested me to go to the Mind Body Spirit Festival and, and have a stall and I had the most beautiful stall there. Like it was just designed beautifully and I got so many clients out of that and they're like, what's your website? Where's your Instagram? I'm like, eep, didn't have one. <laughs> I was still like catjohn at gmail.com. Yeah. So um, that's sort of how it, it started to emerge like it, there was there's so many there's so many um examples of those little steps that took place to get to where I am now but all across all of those channels I guess I just started sharing my message more and more and more which comes back to your question which is about personal responsibility like if you fucking take if you are responsible for how your life is or isn't rather than it's the universe's fault or the full moon or the you know fucking Mercury retrogrades fault or your past fault or <clears throat> your parents' fault, if you fuck that shit off and go, okay, cool, maybe not great shit happened to me in the past or maybe things are tough right now but, like, where is my power and what can I do with it? Then you are responsible for shifting any direction to where you want to go. And at the crux of it behind that message of, you know, teaching people how to give zero fucks to things that don't matter the essence of it is um, take responsibility for your life and watch your life absolutely change. So, yeah. Just that little thing. Just <laughs> yeah. That little thing. Just that that's little like thing. kryptonite to everyone. Yeah, yeah personal responsibility. Uh, and so, and so, when you coach now and the events that you run and stuff, yeah. I was actually looking on your website. Um, a little while ago and I saw that you ran an event at what's it called green oh greenfields greenfields and it was like a dance party with a yeah. meditation and other stuff and I'm like um how did I not I know. know that this was happening I know um and in the video right at the end is a girl I used to work with she just oh. walks past the very end and I was just like I love <laughs> that she was at that because yeah I love that she was at that but um but yeah, so what's your what's your philosophy now around like the work that you do? Because you do a few different things. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, how do you work with your clients? So um, I'm changing that up a lot this year, which is great. So I used to work a lot with one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, and I will still continue to do that. But I've, I'm like taking that down to ten a year. Yeah. Um, so ten a year. And uh, they're, they're going to be people who really, like I, re I really want to work with and who really want to work with me. Um, I've got a group coaching program. So they're, um, they're people who basically have specific problems in their life, right? So it might be one or two. It could be around business. It could be around relationships. It could be around even just spe the specificity of my limiting beliefs are outrageously you know taking over my life fucking help me mm. so in any of the courses that I do so whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching or the group coaching that I do or even the live trainings that I deliver it's all about showing them tools like I mentioned earlier going in how to go from hell to heaven mm. here on earth right here in their own mind here in their own body um so it's specific tools that they can use and what I call you develop this Mary Poppins bag of toolkits. Like if you see Mary Poppins, she just pulls shit out of her bag and you're like, how did you pull a coast down out of your bag? It's a little bag, you know. Yeah. My philosophy is develop that bag, you know, have the bag, open the bag up, put the tools in so that 
when you're when a, a situation arises in your life, instead of falling victim to it, how can you become, for example, solution-based orientated? How can you get out of your victim state? There's a tool you can do with that. How can you become solution-based orientated? There's a tool that you can do with that to reflect, to see where you're at and how you can move forward. Tools around how to tune into themselves so that, like I said, I think it's totally cool to, to reach out to coaches and to get support and to get mentoring and guidance. But I think there's a period of time in life where it's nice where you can rely on yourself, mm. you know, where you know you've got your own back. And even if people do a tune-in and go, okay, my tune-in says I need a coach. I need to see Suze. I need to see Kat. I need to see whoever. Mm. That's awesome. Rather than always seeking outside for answers, does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I'm a big believer in building your own strengths and toolkits. I feel like mm. when I'm when I have a coach or when I'm with somebody like I should be able to walk away like much more equipped than yeah. when I came. 100%. Um and so yeah, no, I'm a I'm a big believer in that self-sufficiency but also surrounding yourself with other incredible humans that really raise your energy and challenge you yeah. in in really positive ways as well. Um yep. so yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So good. Well, Kat, thanks for hanging. Thanks Mate. for sharing. Yes. I need to see you in the flesh. I know. Like we proper. We will. We will for sure. I cannot wait for that as well. But for those of my listeners who want to check you out, we'll have all of your links in the show Perfect. notes, but where can they find you? Go and check me out over on Instagram. So cat.john, K-A-T dot J-O-H-N. You can also follow me on the new new place Clubhouse. Um, (laughs) Also the same, also the same, cat.john. And a really great place to, to, I guess, get a really good um, sense of me is my podcast, the Real Raw Relatable Podcast. Um, So that's on Spotify, that's on Mm. Apple, that's on Google Play. Um, we'll have the links yeah. and then on the gram and then on the gram and on the gram Instagram yeah, I love watching the dancing there's lots of dancing on the gram yeah. I'm, all, <laughs> I'm here for it I'm here, totally here for it I love it it's so good yeah Kat thanks for what you do thanks for bringing your energy thanks Pleasure, for treasure. being of service and uh, it was just so good and I yeah. cannot wait to connect with you in the flesh lady yeah me too thanks for having me on my love Oh my gosh, how good was that? (laughs) Did you love it? I loved it. I love Kat. I think she's amazing. And what a powerful story and just a total turnaround as well. I just can't imagine sometimes some of the things that people go through. Um, And I think we have to listen to and share our stories in order to connect and know that we're not alone when it comes to so many different things. So I'm so grateful for the women that come on and share their stories with you. And I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.